Welcome to episode 4 of Cheesecakes and Dragons. I'm Kevin. And I'm Noemi. Today we're going to talk about Critical Role Campaign 2, play-by-post RPGs, and TSR internet drama. And we're going to end with our review of Donkey's Cheesesteak. So welcome to episode four. So our first topic is Critical Role. I will say that I do not watch this, but Kevin is our authority on Critical Role. So I'm going to be asking him some questions. So first, Kevin, what is Critical Role? Why is it such a big deal? And why is it so popular? So Critical Role started as a home game back in 2012, a Pathfinder game, actually, uh, run by Matt Mercer for some of his voice actor friends. About 2015, it was picked up by Geek and Sundry, who said, well, we make this a, a live play game, something to stream on Twitch. Uh, when they did this, they converted the game into 5th uh, edition D&D, which was recently put out at that point. And it kind of exploded in popularity. It became the most well-known uh, live stream game of its type. And yeah, it worked really well. The team seemed to have good synergy. The, uh, the dungeon master, Matt, is infamously good. Uh, he puts, tells a great story. They're all wonderful voice actors, and so they give a, a good good voices and accents. And it was just a, a great way to uh, show new players what D&D could be. Okay. Uh, I know like a little bit about it, like what I said, but I had heard that their group had started with more people. So what happened? Oh, sure. There is one extra person. His name is Orion Akaba. Sorry, I'm bastardizing his name. Uh, he originally was the group's Dragonborn Sorcerer. He left the group in October 2015, uh, less than a year after they started, relatively early on in the campaign. The uh, Critical World doesn't like to talk about specifics of why he left. Uh, but the little pieces that have come out afterwards is that there was illness was involved, uh, drug abuse was a factor, and it's worth noting that afterwards he's had some problematic encounters with fans. So he's no longer welcome in what they call critter events. Are they called critter events? That's hilarious. Critters, critical role fans. Okay, yep. that makes sense. Yeah, no, I'm familiar with Matt Mercer and the Mercer effect, but um, let's talk about the Mercer effect. So this is kind of a goofy thing someone came up with. The idea is that Matt Mercer is so good and he puts on such a great presentation and does great voices and has elaborate sets that he brings on stage and, and minis that it makes all other Dungeon Masters look worse by comparison, mm. which is silly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I think everyone's like, oh, I have to be as good as Matt Mercer. And honestly, not only is that not really the reason people play D&D, &D, but I think it's this thing where... In a way, like, people expect as a DM, if you're not as good as Matt Mercer, then you're not a good DM, so... Matt Mercer would be the first to encourage you to try anyway. Mm -hmm. yeah. Absolutely. Okay, so this is the ending of Campaign 2. How's it different from Campaign 1? So, first off, Campaign 1 started late. Uh, they literally took the campaign they're running at home. I think they're about 7th level or so. And they started at that point with the established party. Uh, campaign 2 started with a brand new party at level 1, so mm -hmm. that's a big difference. Uh, the second difference is Campaign 1 was a very lawful good party. They, uh, you know, there were fuck-ups that goofed around, but they were the people who would go see heads of state, talk to uh, kings and, and counselors and presidents, and work with authorities. Campaign 2 were very much working with criminals. They were sneaking behind enemy lines. They were stealing things. They worked as pirates for a while. They worked for... Uh, a famed uh, smuggler group for a while. Yeah, there was a di very different vibe. And also, I might argue that, like, Campaign 1 brought in a lot of uh, little things from their time being as a Pathfinder game. They had all of magical items. They had a, a class they invented, had to invent in 5th edition to uh, carry over a per person's class from, first, uh, from Pathfinder. Mm-hmm. 
And so there's lots of like weird bits where things are scaled weirdly. There's like someone had uh, magic boots that gave him haste all the time. Mm. Crazy things like that that didn't quite work in the world of D&D. So the balance was crazy. Pep, uh, second campaign was a little better. Okay. So now that this campaign's ended, what's next? So currently they're running something they're calling Exandria Unlimited. It's a mini campaign that's being run between campaigns two and three. And there's a guest dungeon master, Abria Iyengar. Uh, so that's going to run for uh, at least a few weeks. Campaign 3 is currently being developed and prepped, uh, likely to start in a few months. We don't know exactly when. They are also currently working on a cartoon called The Legend of Vox Machina, based on a, one of the story parts of their first campaign. And it's currently scheduled to premiere this fall. That's the one they did the GoFundMe for? Yes. Raised million dollars? Uh, it was a Kickstarter or something? Yeah, they, yeah. Ra they raised a crazy amount of money. Uh, and I don't know. We'll see what the product is like. Yeah, That's all I'm, I can say. I'm a, I'm a little skeptical, but I, I will watch. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So on to our next subject, play-by-post games. Kevin, tell me what a what is a play-by-post and how does it work? It works kind of like Correspondence Chess or the Words with Friends game. Effectively, you take what your character says and does, and you write it down on a post on Discord or a message board, something like that. And you wait until the DM or the party responds, you go back and forth, and eventually the game progresses, if slowly. Okay. What do you like about it, and do you prefer it over live games? There's good and bad. It can move painfully slow. Uh, a quest that would take four hours in person can easily take uh, one or two months uh, play by post. And sometimes there's just... You uh, log on, and there's just walls of text, and it's difficult to read and follow. On the other hand, you can quickly catch up on games whenever you want, like on your lunch break. Oh, you know, that's quickly cool. log in for 10 minutes, type some stuff. So you and... can just play all day doing work. Essentially, yeah. <laughs> okay. And you also don't have to schedule time to do it. True. Okay. Uh, another thing that is... When you're doing this, you can sit at your desk and write whatever you like, and you don't have that uncomfortableness of trying to role-play a character in person. Sometimes people are uncomfortable with that. Mm -hmm. And when you're a dungeon master, a live game, you're struggling to come up with the rules on the fly and remember everything. Mm -hmm. If you're doing play-by-post, you're going to like, oh, they did something interesting. Let me check the rules. I'll blah, blah, blah. I'll look for an hour or two. Right. Then I'll come back with the right answer. Okay. Oh, and you know what? You played your first play-by-post on Discord recently. What'd you think? So it was a Pathfinder game, I believe. It was. Yeah, I was. I was kind of like hesitant because I there. Then that there's programming where you have to type a bunch of stuff out, and I mm. am by no means a programmer. I work in an industry where there's a lot of programmers, and I'm not <laughs> one of them. But actually, it was a cool way of thinking about how things, and it was a really short campaign. I think we did it over a few days. Yeah, it was. It took just under a week. Yeah. Uh, it was what they call a Pathfinder bounty, which is designed to run sort of very quickly in person, maybe mm -hmm. even just an hour sometimes. Yeah, I, I played a witch. Uh, it's a witch that I had kind of put together, but I haven't had a campaign to play it in, so... Uh, it, it was fine. Um, I would probably do it again. I don't feel like I have to do it all the time, but if I find a pickup game, um, I wouldn't be adverse to doing it. It's just another way of role-playing, and I, I'm glad I got to experience that. Okay, so you're happy you tried it. You're not rushing to try it again. Yeah. Okay. So let's briefly touch on this TSR drama that happened. Uh, a couple things occurred after uh, our last podcast. I had to do a little bit of research because there's many versions of TSR. This all happened over Twitter. It was pretty interesting to watch it unfold. So there was like 
Gary Gygax's son was on someone's YouTube channel and said some nasty things about transgender people. Mm -hmm. uh, a Twitter follower had basically said, you know, she kind of was like in his face and say, you know, just say basically that transgender people are okay. I meant he got even nastier. So there was like a couple previous owners of different versions of TSR that were mm -hmm. chiming in. And it just turned into this like whole drama with that Gary guy. It was like, <laughs> it was super interesting for me because I actually learned more about Guy Gax and, you know, and this iteration of TSR. And then they got named to something else. I mean, it was, uh, uh, I mean, talk about a hot mess. Like RPGs don't need oh, yeah. any more of this kind of drama. And this just unfolded about a month ago. And I think it's still kind of out there. It's. Yeah, it's still sort of spinning out there. So just to back up, Gary Gygax was famously one of the original creators right. of Dungeons Dragons. Right. TSR was uh, was like a magazine originally. There's a Gary Gygax mag a Gygax magazine run by this TSR. Yeah, yeah. So there was originally a magazine a uh, few years ago. Many years ago. And mm -hmm. now these new iterations of TSR are unrelated. Right. Okay. But his son they're is involved in one of they're them. They're using the names. Yes. That's all. Yeah. So the newest <laughs> TSR, uh, who includes Ernie Gygax Jr. Right. Yeah. Uh, he also, I believe, said some very rude things about uh, Native Americans. Oh, that's right. Oh, my God. I watched the whole thing. It was just so horrible. Yeah. It's and, awful. And it was interesting because I was trying to follow, like, the timeline. Like, uh, when uh, Wizards of the Coast bought, like, D&D. &D, and then, like, they, at some point, let the trademark for TSR go. And some guy picked it up. And then he let... I mean, it was, <laughs> I was like, you can totally make a soap opera. That's what's going on. Oh, yeah. But this whole trend of, like, you know, people who are involved in gaming kind of being super disgusting is just really disappointing because one of the great things I've said and I've told you one of the reasons I got really into playing RPGs was playing with different groups of people. Right. You know, so I find that it's really sad that because you're different from someone or someone can get away and say disgusting things that there's not going to be a fallback about it. Yeah, it's these people who say they want to uh, honor the original versions of D&D &D and how it was done first in the day. Like, okay... But what they mean is they want it to be only white men. Yes. Uh, only straight men. Uh, only uh, cisgender people. And anyone who's outside of what they consider normal, they don't like and mm -hmm. want to reject. Mm -hmm. Say awful things about. And that's And that's we awful. have all seen D&D &D for whatever, you know, Wizards of the Coast... What I'm, I'm sure it's for marketing because mm. they're just doing ridiculous things with D&D &D as far as I'm concerned. So let's go into D&D &D Live. Yes. Um, so... Before we get into um, my my kind of topic, so D and D Live was this um, like two or three day online um, gaming, and it was for charity. So they did like four or five different games. Some had some celebrities. I remember yep. there was like Jack Black and like Kevin Smith, and yeah. so it, I watched some of it. Um, I thought it was interesting. Yeah, it was entertaining at points. <laughs> yeah, no, it was for entertainment. It was a mix of live play <clears throat> things and, like, discussions amongst the uh, gamers. Right. And, and uh, they had product announcements. Yeah, I mean, G4 TV was kind of hosting this. And that, I mean, it was like if you took <laughs> um, babes in, like, bikinis and they were mm -hmm. the ones that were kind of, like, interviewing people. <laughs> I mean, they weren't wearing bikinis, but it was very... Um, I don't know what the word is. It was very... <laughs> it was off. Yeah. It was off. Yeah, especially for people who've been playing RPGs for a long time. I mean, now they have a collaboration with Nerds Candy. It, it felt like this was run by marketing people yeah. rather than being run by gamers. Yeah. Right. Oh, no, absolutely. That was the whole vibe. And it yeah. was sort of disappointing. I mean, there were some good things that came out of it. There's some new books that are coming out. Um, 
There is what the Wild Beyond. The Witch Light. Yes, that's coming out in September. Fizzbands. Um, what is it called? Treasury, Treasury of yes. Dragons in October. And I'm a big uh, Dragonlance fan, so mm. I won't buy. I, I won't be buying the book, but I was very happy to yeah. see that kind of coming back into the gaming realm. Well, Fizzband is a character in Dragonlance. Yes, he's yes. the very kind of like really cool, kind of nerdy old wizard guy, and, and he's <laughs> kind of like the father figure for them. Yeah. And then the Strixhaven. What is it? The Strixhaven. Curriculum of Chaos. Oh, this is a Harry Potter ripoff, right? It's kind of a Harry Potter ripoff. Right. It's also a Magic the Gathering tie-in book. Oh, that's right. Oh, don't even get me. I mean, that's a whole conversation on my <laughs> we'll get ideas that another time. on Magic the Gathering, gathering <laughs> and D&D. &D and uh, yeah, so that's a whole other story. But I mean, I, I was cool to see. I, they've done this before and I've never caught it. Um, so it was kind of, I was like, oh, okay, I'll watch it and, you know, and see how other people are playing. And it was fun to see some of the celebrities playing. Um, so yeah, it was okay to spend the weekend. Yeah, it was fun at points. I've seen better online events. But oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So for our cheesesteak for this podcast, we went to Donkey's Cheesesteak, which is in Camden, New Jersey. And I've heard about this place before. Um, it's on the other side of Philadelphia. So I don't think, you know, unless you want to make a trek from Philly, a, a cheesesteak pilgrimage, you probably won't eat here. It was famously involved in one of Tony Bourdain's um, when he did no reservations, mm. he went to Donkey's. So we were in the area and stopped by, and it was everything I wished it was. It was amazing. It was very much a dive bar. Oh, very diving I, I, place. I love dive bars. You walk in, they were super friendly. There was people hanging out and eating. We went right up to the counter, and I, we just ordered two of their cheese sticks. No, mm -hmm. I read like I, I read online. It's like don't ask for modifications. Mm -hmm. It's perfect the way it is. Yeah. So we brought them home. And wow, it is perfect. They it were is a fantastic. five out of five. They were fantastic. Uh, we should say, first off, they, they come on a different roll than we're used a round to. It's a round roll. A poppy round roll. As, a, as opposed to your usual kind of like uh, Italian roll. Yeah. Uh, the, the meat was also different than we're used to. It was uh, either thicker cuts or just more of the meat. Something. Yeah, it's not a shaved steak like you find in most Philadelphia areas. Yeah. It's cheese steaks. Uh, they're also very heavy on the onions. Oh, man, it tasted like French onion soup. It was yes. so good. Weirdly so, but it was such a good and way. And I think it came with American cheese, or was it provolone? I don't remember. Provolone, probably. I, yeah, I mean, it was so good. They, Kevin thinks they were a little expensive. I think they were priced away. If you go to any kind of like locale cheesesteak place in the in the area, it's not that much more expensive. Well, they're also very filling. Like oh. if you're going to get a cheesesteak to split between two people, this one would easily feed two people. I ate it in one sitting. Kevin actually waited like a gentleman and finished it in two. <laughs> I ate it in one sitting. I don't know why I keep saying that. No, you took a break. I was like, I am not break. It was gotta let it breathe. Oh, it was so good. It was oh. so good. Five yeah. by five. Yeah, that was amazing. And lastly, what's making us happy this week? So we finally kind of got out for a little bit with, you know, we're still very, being very careful with stuff that's going on with the pandemic. But we went down to our favorite game cafe, Queen and Rook on uh, 2nd and South in Philadelphia, owned by, our, uh, owned by our friend Edward Garcia. We went to a 90s quizzo night. And I was like, I got this. <laughs> 
I was very well alive during the 90s. Oh. I'm a little older than Kev, so I remember the 90s greatly. We he did better than I did. It was crazy. But somebody oh. who doesn't even listen to music, Kevin did well. We thought we would do great, and we were so ready. It was embarrassing. You knew the uh, the the movie uh, the the music and the news. I thought I knew the movies. Yeah, and like it was nothing like TV. That. Yeah, it was none of that. It was like. Like, what year did this uh, uh, international incident happen? It's like, what? <laughs> oh, my God. The thing with the NAFTA. Yeah. Oh, I, I thought I knew it. And I had the wrong date. I was very embarrassed. It was good. The, the food was very good. The drinks were oh, very good. It, the food was amazing. Myself as a Puerto Rican, they had these things. You may know them as empanadas. We call them pastillos. Mm -hmm. And they were vegan. But they were fantastic. Like, I even stopped Edward and I was like, these were like the best things. Like, my grandmother used to make these. So, we're hoping one of these days we'll uh, get Edward and his wife on our podcast and they can tell you everything about queen and rock but definitely that was my favorite thing my favorite thing we're excited about is my birthday is coming up this week mm -hmm. and noemi is taking me to a taping of wait wait don't tell me their first live recording back from the pandemic yes we saw them years ago prior to the pandemic if you're not familiar it's a it's a game show podcast on NPR, which we're very yes. big fans of. It's at The Man, which is a beautiful outdoor facility here in Philadelphia. And the weather looks good. I don't think it's going to be too hot. Yeah. So we're going to have some chairs on the Fingers lawn. Fingers crossed. Yeah. Have a little, uh, uh, what's the word? Picnic? Yes. So we're uh, we're excited to be out in public. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> might be the last time in a while. Yeah, Again, we'll see be. how things go. That's right. So thank you for listening. Um, hopefully you enjoyed our podcast. Tell your friends. Subscribe. We are also on social media, Cheesesteaks and Dragons on Instagram and Facebook and our website.